It's time for Windows Weekly. Paul Therod is here. He's back from the big Mango press conference and will explicate all 452 new features or something like that. Next on Windows Weekly. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Windows Weekly is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Therott, episode 210, recorded May 26th, 2011. Mow that phone. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Go to Assist Express. If you provide technical support to clients, colleagues, friends, or family, do it easy and without being there in person with GoToAssistExpress for a free 30-day trial. Visit GoToAssist.com slash Windows. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to Netflix.com slash it's time for Windows Weekly, the show. <laughs> is it? Is it, though? Yes, it really is. Well, it's a little, you know, it's past time. It's past time. Past time. Long past time for Windows Weekly. There he is. You know, we shouldn't even be here. Didn't the world end last weekend? Yeah. Yeah, raptured. Yep. I notice we're both here. <laughs> huh. Probably not a good sign. I do have not to... Not unexpected. Yeah, I do have to point out, though, that my on my Wii, my Wii Rule... Farm, mm -hmm. they all they all got taken away. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind though so much because, uh, frankly, that makes it a little bit easier for me. I don't have to farm anymore. As their god, did they appear in your world? <clears throat> god, I hope not. Maybe that's why our employee count just just uh, burst at the seams. I don't know. Right. Uh, let's talk about Microsoft because that's what this show is all about. You know this guy, Paul Thorat. You probably heard of him. He's famous. He's a, he's the uh, editor in chief of the super site for Windows, which is the premier Windows blog. WinSuperSite.com. Go visit it. Okay, you're back. Okay, I'm and, I'm tired of your relentless need to promote me. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. A, he's so dismissive. I just don't get it. Why promote me? Are you a, are you a self loathing loathing blogger? Is that your thing? No, no, no. I just feel like we've been doing this for six years or whatever, and. Five years, whatever yeah, it is. Enough of it. I agree. No, I don't mean it. I mean, you know, if you're here and you don't know what's going on by now, well, leave. there's new. You know, every week yeah. there's new new users. I almost said new losers. <laughs> Little Freudian slip there. Uh, I see that Gibby has decided that our agenda today should be Mango <laughs> Skype, Mango Skype, Mango Skype, Mango Skype, Mango Skype. There are certainly nice. uh, so two big stories in the Microsoft world, at least. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about Skype, but I have a lot to say about Mango. The press conference was uh, Tuesday. Yep. And you went? I did. Indeed. So uh, what do you know? What do you say? What do you know? What do you hear? <laughs> Isn't that what they say? What that do you hear? That was like a, a Tom Ashbrook uh, <laughs> kind of conversation starter there. Yeah. What do you hear? What do you any say? Any anecdotes, you know? any poems, any <laughs> haiku you'd haiku. like to share? Did you, was it a large and uh, exciting no, event? No, no, no. No, no. It was a... Uh, it's a cozy affair. I would, you know, when Apple has those events where it's at the smaller place, you know, maybe on campus right, or right. It was like that. Yeah, it was a cozy. It was nice. It was at a nice hotel. 
And uh, and this was an interesting thing because it, it was announcing something that won't be out for six, yeah. six months. Six months. Uh, well, hopefully less time Is than there, that. But... Do you think that you've heard of, do you think they Osborned themselves? <laughs> you've heard that phrase, right? That No, 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 no. No. In fact, I, they're, they're doing something I kind of disagree with, which is they're, they're clearly meeting out the information about Mango with the precision of a Chinese water torture drip. You know, <laughs> I... It's very strange to me that they, uh, the invitation for this event was billed as a VIP press conference of some kind, you know. Um, I, I saw it as a, a press conference. You know, they, I, I looked very carefully to see how they described this thing because I didn't quite get what the point was. But they referred to it as the, uh, the announcement, you know, like they've, they've announced Mango or something, which they haven't because they discussed Mango in, in January at CS. They discussed it at Mobile World Congress in February. They discussed it. At uh, Mix in April, they discussed it at TechEd earlier this month, and then they discussed it again last this this week, this past week. So basically, so, are you saying you're disgusted? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm I'm confused because it seemed like, given the drip 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 of information, and then they announced, "Oh, we're having this big event." I thought, well, this will be it, right? We'll walk in here and we'll learn everything there is to know about Mango. And then we'll just have to wait until it's released, and then we're done. And and I figured that would be it. But instead, the the, the official announcement, such as it was, was just certainly more information. But it wasn't everything. You know, there's more information to come. They're going to be revealing features of this thing throughout the summer, apparently. That's the plan. So I, I felt a little ripped off by that, you know, because I traveled to New York for this event and, and was expecting this to be the big reveal. And the other thing was, on the eve of the event, and they said this too at the event, Steve Ballmer blurted out that this release is going to have 500 new features, yeah. right? Immediately drawing comparisons to Apple math where, you know, Apple releases a new version of OS 10 and they talk about whatever, you know, 300 features, 400, whatever right. they say, um, where they count every version of every font. Right. And you, right. I mean, That's a feature. You have, you ha well, you have to pad the stats to get to a number like that. Right. Mango's not that big. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. It is. And it is great. I want to be very clear about that. But so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we definitely found out a lot more about Mango, which I really appreciate. And a lot of the stuff looks good. But, you know, when you add it up, I mean, they talk 500 new features. I mean, they may maybe announce 12 or 15 at the show, you know. So, and God, I'm sure. So this is going to be like an event a week for, for <laughs> so the whole summer, not, right? Yeah. No, so I've, I've, I've always sort of disagree with the PR stuff with Windows Phone. And, and, and maybe this is part of that. You know, they just, maybe this is their way of building excitement or something. Who knows? But I, I, I kind of wish they had just come out and said, here it is, you know, here's the list. And, and by the way, we asked, you know, so you said 500 new features. So is there a piece of paper somewhere that has these 500 features on it? You know, no. So maybe someday there will be, but not yet. You'll know when we're ready, when we're good and ready. That's right. We'll tell you. And I'm, again, I'm sure they have their reasons. I I don't know. Well, what, let's let's speculate. <laughs> let's speculate. What the hell? Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, what the well, hell are they thinking? I, who knows what they're thinking? But I can say this. I mean, aside from the actual features we know about, you know, they announced things like uh, a certain number of languages that are coming on board. You know, mm. I, I, I would assume that each one of those languages counts as a feature, right? We support Portuguese, uh, you know, Brazilian Portuguese, yeah. right? In addition to normal Portuguese. Yeah, that's always uh, been a feature for me. Brazilian Portuguese. I look for it. It's on my checklist. Yeah. Well, it would have to be, right? 500 features. I mean, are there even 500 features in the phone to begin with? I don't even know. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big number. How could you come up with 500 features? What feature would you 
what would you say would be a critical feature that, that Microsoft needs to add? You know, I, I've been, it's funny you mention this, and uh, I, Windows Phone is interesting because it's so different from other smartphones in that it's not just a bucket of apps. You know, it can be. You can certainly treat it that way. And by the way, third-party developers, unfortunately, have absolutely treated it that way. But they designed it as this platform where you could integrate into these hubs and services and all the live tiles and all that stuff. They have all these incredible deep integration points, you know. And what this reminds me of is some of the work Microsoft did back in the Longhorn timeframe around the Avalon stuff, which turned into WPF and so forth. Um, some of the stuff they, they've done in recent versions of Internet Explorer, where in IE8 they came out with things like accelerators and web slices. And then in IE9 they've come out with these uh, OS integration features for Windows 7, like jump lists and, and so on and so forth. Where Microsoft really spends a lot of time coming up with what are usually pretty cool platform features. But if no third-party developers take advantage of them, right, what... It, you know, what's the point? It's like it never happened. So, for example, in Windows Phone, they have this wonderful hubs system. So you have a single location to go to look for photos, right? They have a pictures hub. And the idea behind the pictures hub is that if you or your friends, you know, your contacts, have pictures stored on any of the services that are tied into this hub, they'll all be there in, the, in one location. You don't have to go from app to app to app. You know, on the iPhone, if you want to look at photos, you have all these different locations you can go to, right? There's a mobile me app, there's a pictures app, there's a, you know, a Flickr app, there's a Google Picasa app, you know, these you're in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And the, the dream of Windows Phone or the promise of Windows Phone is that that type of behavior, well, it is supported, you know, of course, it's a smartphone, but ideally for a lot of different things, you'd be able to go into these hubs and have an integrated experience with all of your services in there. The problem is nobody really does it. You know, and, and the example I've been using recently is Flickr. Uh, Flickr did make a great Windows Phone app, but what Flickr didn't do was provide a way for you to navigate into your picture hub on the phone and just see your Flickr-based photos right there in line with your Facebook photos and your Windows Live photos and so forth. So why didn't they do that? My theory is that Flickr is trying to promote the Flickr brand, not the Windows Phone brand, right? So they want a Flickr app with a Flickr logo on it. Right because that promotes their brand. If you, as a user of Flickr, simply add the service to the Pictures Hub... They're not you know, as happy. That, well, it doesn't benefit them directly, right. you know? And I, I, that's my theory. So... Uh, certainly disincents third parties. Yeah. And I could, you know, Flickr might not be the best example. Twitter might be a better example. Well, where... uh, so Microsoft actually has done... Microsoft has done a good job of integrating some services into Windows Phone. So in, in the first version of Windows Phone, the, the one that's out now, we have uh, some Facebook integration, right? Right. You can integrate with the contacts list in, in Facebook uh, your, and your feeds. You know, kind of basically uh, your con you know, what your contacts, your friends are doing on Facebook. I, I kind of like that. I do too. Yeah. And and they're expanding it in Mango. So there's actually a bunch of new Facebook enhancements in Mango that are really cool. Um, they're integrating with Twitter in Mango. They're integrating with LinkedIn in Mango, which makes a lot of sense. And they're integrating with Windows Live Messenger, which you have to kind of wonder why wasn't that in the first version. We don't know. So that's their own project product. <laughs> I, I know it's crazy. So they do a great job of that. I, I really have to give them credit for that. The problem is if you're not using those specific services, they're really of no value to you. Obviously, right? That integration is nice, but it's best when you have a choice of whatever's out there, you know? Right. So I happen to store photos on Google, uh, Google Picasso. 
I know a lot of people store photos in Flickr. Neither one of those are natively supported on Windows Phone in that services sense, right? There, there are roundabout ways to do it, but basically speaking, there's no way to get your Flickr or Picasso photos to show up right in the Pictures Hub where they belong, you know, where, where you would want them. You know, one of the reasons you chose this phone was because of all these awesome UIs. Um, so there are third-party Picasso apps, one of which I'm actually recommending today. There are th uh, There is a Flickr, an official Flickr app, which is great, which I recommended in February. Um, but they're apps, you know, they're apps just like they're apps on the iPhone. So, you know, it's too bad. So if I could pick, if I could say anything for Windows Phone, if I, the one thing they need is a more pervasive integrated services story. The interesting thing is, there's a feature in Windows Phone Mango called App Connect. It's really hard to describe, unfortunately. But I, I look at this thing and I think, this is a reaction to the fact that basically no third-party developers supported this integrated services story in the first version. The reason being that what it does is it provides a way for you on the phone to search for something, whatever it might be. And then applications, third-party applications, can register some, themselves with the phone as a, like search results handlers. So, for example, if you wanted to search for a movie, if you did do a search for a movie, if you had the IMDB app on your phone, one of the things that could come up in the search results would be a deep link into some feature inside of IMDb because that IMDb app might have information about where the movie was playing near you, you know, user ratings, professional ratings, and all that kind of stuff. That's interesting integration, right? It's pretty cool. It's, it's hard to explain because uh, it's hard to even imagine all the different search uh, results that could take place and, and under what circumstances would these things pop up. But what's interesting about it to me is what you see at the end of this chain is an app, right? Not an integrated service. They're not integrating IMDb uh, information into the Windows Phone UI. They're literally shuttling you off to the IMDb app at the end. So it's still pretty neat, but you can see it's already half a step back, right, from that original Windows Phone vision. And I think it's a pragmatic. Yeah, I think the IMDb reaction. and others demand it. I, I think so. I don't know that they did it quite that way. Like, I wouldn't say demand, but I think that they spoke with their apps, you know, that they said, look, yeah, we gotta. You gotta uh, we, we understand us. your vision for this integrated experience, but that doesn't help us as a brand. Right. You know, right. if you look at Windows Phone right now, and you go into something like the Pictures Hub, there's a, this extras menu, and it's where those other apps all get shuttled off. You know, it's like a, it's like a ghetto at the end of the, the hub. It's awful. You know, and unfortunately, that's where, that's what the you know these app makers. That's what they've decided to do. They're, we're going to make apps, and um, it kind of it compromises the Windows Phone experience. It, it may be in some ways the biggest challenge that they have outside of the obvious stuff like, you know, sales and <laughs> market share or whatever. But, it, but, but, but from, a, you know, from a user experience standpoint, because Microsoft really did come up with something awesome, but nobody's really using it. Anyway, that doesn't have a lot to do with Mango, but... It's an it, but no, it actually raises a really interesting point from the point of view of uh, uh, system designers. I Can you... Is there... I don't think there's an example for this on the desktop. Like, it's not like Windows. Well, I would say, well, let's use the IE example. So Microsoft in IE8, you know, you think about, like, we have a browser. It has these controls back forward and the address bar and all this stuff. All right, well, how do we advance the state of the art with this thing? I mean, obviously, you can do things like standard support and performance and blah, 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 all that stuff. But as, as, as far as making this application interesting to developers, you know, what can you do that makes IE unique, you know? In IE8, they came up with these web slices, which were basically little snippets of a web page that could be viewed in a pop-up window. 
And then they came up with accelerators, which was a way the user would select something in a page, right-click it, and this menu would come up, and if you register it as an accelerator, you could do something with that thing. So, for example, Skype might use that to select a phone number, and you can call with Skype, you know, that kind of stuff. Or look up this address in Bing Maps, or whatever it was. So Microsoft came up with a few basic services of their own for both of these things. A couple of major third parties did stuff with it. I think Wall Street Journal still has a web slice of some kind. If you visit their website with IE, you'll see that. But by and large, developers ignored it. And I'm not saying that these features are awesome and that, or that they were good ideas. I guess I'd argue that since developers pretty much ignored them, they probably weren't great ideas. But at the time, I gave Microsoft some credit for at least trying to advance the state of the art what a browser could be from a functional standpoint, you know, it, so it kind of failed, but it failed. Um, but at least they tried, you know, and I hope that's not what happens to Windows Phone, you know, in, in that at the end of the day, what we end up with is that thing that Windows Mobile could have been, which is simply a bucket of apps, you know, apps arranged in a grid of some kind and in and out, in and out, in and out, because we already have phones that do that, you know, and I, I, the reason I like Windows Phone is not just because it's different. It's not just different to be different, right? I really do believe that these UIs that they came up with, you know, make more sense uh, to a user. That when you, uh, you as a human being think about the people you have relationships with, and I want to see their photos, and I want to see what's going on with their lives via these feeds, and I don't, shouldn't care where that information comes from, be it Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, I just, I think of my friends as my friends, not as, okay, well, now I have to go into Facebook to see updates there. Now I have to go to Twitter to see updates there. Now I have to go to LinkedIn to see, you know, it, these other phones force you to think like that. It's funny that this doesn't bother anybody, <laughs> you know, but sometimes it, you need to see something more logical before you realize that the other way is kind of broken. Um, but, you know, again, if, if nobody takes advantage of this stuff, you know, you're standing in a field yelling at yourself. You know, there's no one, no, if no one's listening, what's the difference? If that makes sense. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. It Which makes sense. Like it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, con a difficulty yeah. that, uh, that, that uh, yeah. is, is faced where you want to get, because I think users don't care or prefer full integration. Users want to especially if they saw it. If you know, if you saw how awesome it was, it's so, so fantastic. Yeah, one one of the so there's all that stuff. They did all the foundational stuff in the first version of Windows Phone, and it, you know, it's it's great for what it is. It really is. It works well. Um, you know, again, it would be better if more third parties supported it, but there it is. So it works. I, I like you know they're extending these themes in this new version, which is nice. So if you think about all the different ways you can communicate with people in non you know, I'm not making a phone call, but I'm, I'm typing a message, right? You, you know, you have MMS and SMS. Um, people do Facebook chat. Um, you know, there are other instant message clients, obviously, and, and, and so forth. You know, they're integrating that kind of stuff in this version into a singular UI. So I think that's smart. So instead of Microsoft coming out with a Windows Live Messenger app, they're integrating Messenger communications into their messaging app through which you can do, you know, text messages as well or Facebook chat as well, right? So as your contacts are all aggregated from all these different places, you'll have different options with each contact or with groups of contact uh, contacts to do you know group communications or singular communications over whatever services they happen to use. You know you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think, okay, I want to talk to Bob. So Bob's on Messenger, but he's not on Facebook. So let me go into Messenger and find Bob. You don't have to think like that. You think I just have to find Bob. Right. 
right? It's and, I, the right and that's way. so that's what users want. That's that's, that's how it should feel. Yeah, yeah. But I can understand right. where the individual provides. Facebook's a very good example. They they want to own it all. It's interesting, you know, Facebook, there was some integration in V1 and, and then this further integration in this one. And some of that integration is pretty cool and they're doing it the right way. Now, Microsoft is doing it for them. And obviously there's some kind of partnership going on here. But, you know, Facebook chat is supported in the messaging app. Uh, Facebook events are supported in the calendar app, right? Um, you get all those feed updates in both the pictures hub for pictures and then in the people hub for uh, just for yeah. regular updates. And now That's they're actually better. Be. I love that. Yeah, so there's no. Show, it's I mean, clear that it's Facebook, right? I mean, it's not like you, you see the update. It's not. It's not. There's Twitter updates mixed in with Facebook updates, but they, they have a little logo or some way of indicating. Not really. No. Uh, you know, actually, huh. not really. And no, that's, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I think Facebook is big enough and mature enough, big enough that <laughs> they don't uh, care, right? right? They have a lot of users, right? So they know they're going to get you either way. Yeah, yeah. You're not always going to be on your phone either, right? right. So. This gives you a chance to further communications with the people you're friends with. I mean, it gives you more value. You're absolutely right. Well, I, and this is an odd, I just, just came to me, but if you think about it, Facebook, they could probably put a value on every relationship you have in a way. I mean, oh, sure. the, the fact that you're in a, you know, still interacting with friends of yours on Facebook, I think is still a benefit to them in some vague way that they can probably attach a dollar amount to. I don't even know. I, it's horrifying. Oh, yeah, it's a buck 50. Yeah, it probably is. Every time you do that, there's a little ka-ching sound or yeah, something. Buck, but... 50, buck 50 a user. <laughs> and then yeah. the CIA gives them a little extra because uh, it just builds their database. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, uh, yeah, so the, I mean, uh, the other thing that was I should say in Facebook, uh, obviously there's up, uh, photo uploading uh, capabilities to Facebook. That's there already today. But now they've extended it because, you know, on Facebook, you can you put that square on someone's face and you can say this is Bob or Mary or whatever. You can do that while you're uploading the photo from the phone so that, that you don't have to later go to Facebook and make these changes that can happen as you're uploading the photos. You know, I'm, as I think about it, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's, mm -hmm. it's good for Facebook. And the reason I know that is I feel coerced that in order to use these phones well, you need to have a Facebook account. You need to have a Twitter account. So this is, yeah. Now, we're, we happen to be talking about Facebook here, but the interesting thing is... Coincidentally, I was just thinking the worst thing about Facebook, well, not the worst thing, the, the privacy violations are maybe the worst thing, but one of the worst things about using Facebook is having to use Facebook, right? I actually kind of hate the website. I yeah. hate all those ads on the side and all the crap they try to do, and I, I hate how they change everything behind the scenes without letting you know, and I hate all that stuff. But there's something about, you know, you, when you see that interface, it's kind of lousy. If you, if you buy, look, I don't care what phone you like. I mean, if it's iPhone or Android or Windows phone, I mean, ideally, there should be some experience on that phone that lets you integrate with those Facebook services. They clearly do a great job with developer APIs and all that stuff. So it's possible to make something really cool that's specific to your own device. Um, it's such a better way of interacting with Facebook because it kind of puts Facebook in the background. And frankly, that's what you want. You want it to be like, I'm interacting with the people I care with, not... I'm going through Facebook, you know, to, to find out what's going on with my friends. I think. Yeah. I'm just, I, I think that there's a, yeah. It's, it, it, I'm, it's, I'm hitting on all kinds of weird areas I never meant no, to No, it's good, but, though, because it's, uh, yeah. it's stimulating my brain. Uh, just, it's, it really is, the, it's kind of the modern uh, thing. You need to have Google, you need to have Facebook, yeah. Twitter less so. Because Facebook du duplicates Twitter's functionality, and all your buddies are on Facebook. So really, the big winners here 
in a modern smartphone universe. Well, you know, here's I'm, I'm I really need to fix this. <laughs> I I'm I clearly have interacted with people through Facebook and Twitter in the wrong way for too long. Right. So but, you're not getting the experience. I know because you're you're celebrity. Yeah. You have the celebrity experience. Well, I have the stupid experience, but I'm going <laughs> to fix it. It's going to be awful and ugly, and and it's so painful. I'm I'm just procrastinating on it. But ideally, for a normal human being and for anybody, Facebook should really be about the people that you know personally. Yes. And Twitter and that's how is about is, interacting right? with yeah. you know, sometimes with people you know personally, but by and large, the world. You right. know, um, the the interactions I have on Twitter are actually very valuable, even though I don't know almost any of those people personally, and frankly, never want to. Uh, no, but it's it's no, but it's it's actually been very valuable. Twitter is a wonderful place um, to show up and just ask a question, um, assuming nobody views it as a newbie question, or whatever. But right. you know, it's it's sort of the modern crazy cancerous version of Usenet or something. I mean, it's 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 interesting. Um, but you know, Facebook used correctly is is a wonderful place to interact with people that you do know about. It should be. Yeah, it should be Leo. Damn yeah, it. I'm just thinking though. Okay, yes, that's true. So that is a good re that is, but there's less compulsion to have a Twitter account. Uh, your friends are what compels you. Twitter you have because you have yes, a personal yes, in, yes, yes, in, yes. inward interest in the outside world. Uh, Facebook you can't escape. Whatever, yeah, you could use. Listen, people use Twitter in different ways. I, I'm I'm always fascinated by non-technical uses of technology. I, I use the example of my friend Chris, who could not have cared less about computers his entire life, but you know that things like PCs and now, smartphones have come of age because someone like him, who's a crazy sports fanatic, a fitness fanatic, you know, again, couldn't care less about technology, needs to own these things because that's where the action is. You know, even for the stuff he cares about, um, this stuff is all online. It's all available uh, through these, you know, websites and mobile apps and all this stuff. So, um, you know, even I, I think I told the story, we go to the basketball game, so the Boston Celtics, and the press section is right in front of us. And if there are 20 screens... I guarantee you that between 10 and 15 of them are on usually TweetDeck, but some Twitter app for the entire game. And what these people who are reporters are doing are seeing what people are saying about either the teams or the game or the players, right? That this is a, a fascinating way to interact with people that you don't know and that you don't really need to know, right? So it's like this stream of information that's no, you're, occurring. You're right. And, and, and you could also use it as a broadcast news alert system. Um, yeah. I, you know, you actually have created multiple Twitter accounts so that I can uh, control the content of each. I um, need to, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what Twitter integration in Windows Phone looks like, right? Is it just, uh, you know, people who are my contacts who have Twitter accounts, you know, the stuff that they post shows up in the What's New feed. I, I, I guess that that might be it. But if I log in with a Twitter account in Windows Phone, does that mean I'm suddenly going to get this dump of, you know, stuff from Twitter right on the phone? I mean, we were worried about data usage, right, in the first version of Windows Phone. I can only imagine what that's going to look like. But um, I'm curious to see it. That's one thing I haven't seen yet. I don't know what that's going to look like. So they don't have it at all? It's coming in Mango, so this fall we'll have that. It was supposed to be in V1, and, and Twitter and Microsoft had some kind of a... I might have to get this Verizon, uh, you know, because Tony now has my uh, yeah. focus. So I might sure. have to get this Verizon. And I don't have a Verizon phone right now, so maybe that's what I'll do. That's when? Next week? It's No, it's out now. In fact, it might be out literally today. Oh. 
thing I guess I'll be running over to the Verizon store. <laughs> Something I do pretty much every week now. Leo, come back. Come back. <laughs> uh, anything yeah. else about Mango you want to talk about? Virtual keyboard text prediction. I like that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, sometimes there are these canonical examples. The one in that case was, you know, when you type the word happy and hit space, it goes some huge percentage of the time, the next word is birthday. Right. So it you suggests know. that. It does these suggestions. Now, yeah. I have in the back of my mind this rich history with Microsoft and their desire to predict what you're going to do next Lippy. and awful <laughs> things that can come out of that. But Hey, bo hey, it, hey Paul, it looks like you're about to design a resume. Right, right. It looks right. Hey, Paul, it looks like you're about to send a really shitty text to your boss. Are you sure you want to do that? Hey, Paul, Should are I, you about to do a shopping useful? list? You yeah. know, there's a funny scene in the office. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you saw it two, two weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Stan, who is it? Yes. Uh, you know, Daryl's going to make his resume. He doesn't know how to make a resume. <laughs> so he starts Word. He starts yeah. a resume, and it, and it doesn't happen. And he calls Microsoft support, and he says, Hey, what, ha what happened to that guy who pops up and says... Would you like to make a resume? What what was right. his name? And then he goes, uh, Clippy? It was it was a great moment, yeah. I have to say. And it just shows how Clippy has become part of the consciousness yeah. of America. Microsoft's doing everything they can not to kill that thing. <laughs> but Clippy's gone. And you yet know, it lives the, on. I want to say it was Office 2003. I'm pretty sure it was. At the, I actually happened to sit almost right next to Jeff Bezos at that event. I can't imagine what he was doing. What there. was but he anyway. doing there? I don't know. Uh, they brought out Clippy. Oh. And, of course, the voice of Clippy was, I just forgot his name. I'm such a jerk. That terrible comedian with that awful voice. Howie uh, Mandel? No. Damn, Who is the I voice for Clippy? Jeez, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible. He was in that, uh, wow, Someone, someone's going to have to save me here. Terrible, annoying comedian. He was in Ford Fairlane. Oh, not Jim not Carrey. The, not, the, not the star of Ford Fairlane, but the, one of the stars. Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you. That's him. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. He's Clippy? Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, that was a torture story. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it all back. Oh, God. Clippy's yeah, not I've dead. suffered so much, Leo. Clippy lives on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, as far as neat stuff in there, I mean, like I said, there's all that integration stuff, uh, nice context management stuff, uh, the thread stuff, which is messaging integration for all the different services. They've apparently improved or uh, retro or, you know, fixed up all of the. Oh, I think I found some Clippy. Okay. Let me see here if this is, is this Clippy? Microsoft Office XP presents. He was the voice Why, of the hello there. I'm leveraging real-time, legacy-compliant, collaborative micro-branding to complete the most important project in my company's history. Yikes. As soon as I finish yeah. this proposal, I... It looks like you're writing a letter. Oh! It's you like help? It's Gilbert you, you little metallic... You little metallic... Yeah, that's a fake one, but that's good. I like it. It's like a... Like a Clippy parody. I think the point was you bring out Gilbert Gottfried as this guy, and then no one will agree to save him. <laughs> you know, that everyone was A-OK -okay with it. I like Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> okay. But you see what I'm saying? Yes. I do see what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Clippy must die is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more Mango. I'm just thinking, I'm looking at your Mango list. You've got... Um, well, I mean, aside from the feature, so threads is interesting. 
What is? Is it threading? What is threads? Threading for messages. This oh. is the Facebook chat. That's what you talked about already. Okay. They're doing integrated inbox finally, you know. Oh, um, all your stuff in one it, inbox. It, it's really, it's funny because in, in V1, they, they were unclear why anyone would want this. Um, but now they do, that they're doing it in V2, I, I have to give them a little credit. They're not doing this all or nothing approach where it's like, well, now you have to have all your you know, email in one place. Um, they're allowing you to link inboxes from any number of accounts, and you can also have standalone inboxes. So you can have one mail application that's for work, and then you can have one that's for home, and the home one could have two or three or four different accounts all linked to it so that what you're seeing is an integrated inbox from a bunch of different accounts if you want it. But you can keep them separate. You can mix and match. So uh, at least they're doing it right. That's pretty good. Uh, the other thing I think, you know, aside, again, aside from features, I would say, uh, they've got new hardware makers coming on board, um, Acer and Fujitsu and ZTE, which is a Chinese company. Um, and then they announced that I think it was uh, LG and HTC and Samsung are going to be releasing new Mango-based devices. And those are hardware makers that already have devices in the market. A um, bunch of new languages. They're not really specifying this, but you may recall some months ago we were talking about, you know, one of the problems with the Windows Phone platform is that you could make this matrix of features, and then on one side you could list all the countries where the Windows Phone was available, and then you could fill in the gaps where you know each feature was available in each country, and there were a lot of holes. And they, while well, they have not specified how they're filling this thing in, what they're saying is that the marketplace services availability is going to be a lot better in this version than it was in V1. So some of those holes at least will be filled in. So um, we we run into a weird situation where in certain countries you can do things like rent a movie through the Zoom marketplace, but not buy a movie, you know, that kind of thing. Very strange. So I'm not saying it's going to be 100% better. I don't really know, but it's going to be better at least, and we'll see what that means. Um, and then, of course, Nokia, you know, which um, the Nokia news is interesting because, or the Nokia stuff, I should say, because it seems like there's a small revelation about Nokia now almost every week, you know. Um, Nokia is going to be coming to market with a Mango device, which we suspected. In other words, they're not going to have a phone before Mango. Um, but they say that they're going to come out with at least one new device every three months or so. Wow. And that's, you know. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's lot. Android speed. Yeah. Almost. And, you know, for the, Windows for the Windows phone world, this is inconceivable. So we'll see how that goes. But um, Why would they want to do that? I mean, isn't that seen as a negative in the... Uh, for Android, that there's so think, many handsets? No, no, I think they're going to have... No, because I think what they're really saying is we're going to have different kinds of devices for different markets, you know, uh, different types of devices as well. So if you look at something like AT&T, AT&T today has actually four, or will soon have four, different Windows Phone models. Um, if AT&T can sell four different Windows Phone models in the United States, why couldn't Nokia have four? or five or six that they sold in the United States on different carriers. And then why couldn't they have two or three extras that they sold in certain other markets or maybe some that were specific to the Chinese or various uh, Far East markets, you know, some that were specific to third world countries or whatever. So I, I think Nokia's goal is to, this is what they do. This is all they do, right? So how many phones does Samsung sell? How many different handsets? You know, it's probably a dozen or more, right? So I, I would, no, well, I don't know. I don't have numbers, but yeah, you got to figure. I mean, if you th think of it that way. So, I mean, HTC or Samsung or LG, these companies all probably sell. Sure. Several. So I think Nokia's. Oh, Nokia's uh, huge. Nokia's tens or hundreds of millions. Yeah. So if they, if a year and a half from now they have 12 or 15 devices in the market, whatever yeah, it might I be. I see what you're saying. 
that's not really that crazy. So no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because Nokia alone is probably half yeah. a dozen handsets. They're big. They're big. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. In the words of Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, there he, there it is. That's a very good point. I think he got killed in Ford Fairlane. Right? <laughs> he got blown up. We can all we can but hope. <laughs> I vaguely remember that being a happy moment. Uh, so, um, is, did they announce the next Mango Party? <laughs> no, I don't think there are any more Mango Parties. But um, no, I think they're going to just slowly leak things out on the blog and so forth. Yeah. And, okay. Fair enough. But I, you know, again, they're not talking dates. They didn't say what the final version was going to be called. But one thing I had heard was that I've been hearing again and again is they're going to market it as Windows Phone Seven Point Five. I've I had also heard previously, and now it's been confirmed that internally the APIs and so forth refer to this version as 7.1 hmm. and now that the developer tools are out they're actually calling the developer tools version 7.1 and you know this sounds contradictory but I I actually think unless something changes but what I you know what I've heard and I, what I believe is that they'll actually market this thing as version 7.5 but that internally it will be version 7.1 now before everyone laughs at that, I would just remind them that Windows 7 is Windows, ver you know, is version 6.1 internally. So there's a lot of precedent for this kind of behavior. I don't quite understand or agree with it, but that's my expectation. The other thing is, you know, when it's coming out. So Andrew Lees, who was the guy who hosted the New York event and uh, is the, I want to say he's the president of the Windows Phone division at Microsoft, said that this thing would ship before a year had expired from the original launch. So that suggests October at the latest, September, you know, time frame. So it's not as early as we would like, but it's certainly in line with what we expected is. In fact, it's earlier than I expected. You know, when you think about, we're gonna ship this thing by the end of the year, we, you know, it's Microsoft, it's Windows Phone, you're thinking December 31st, <laughs> you know, maybe. Um, so if this thing actually happened in September, even though everyone's complaining, oh, it's still months away, you know, it's. It's actually still some months earlier than I would have expected. So it's not it's not entirely bad news. Yeah. Plus we have what you know it's June, July, August, September, four months at least for developers to spend time with the new tools and the new APIs and the new features and get to use them in their own apps and develop some familiarity with them and some expertise with them and see how those things evolve based on feedback, and then they'll be able to go to market with new uh, Mango-based apps. You know, as soon as that platform appears, so I think it. I think it's. I think it's fine. And I would also point out too. You know, uh, on the Apple side, we know that, uh, or we believe that Apple is going to delay, if you will, or at least release the next iPhone sometime in the fall too, right? Uh, typically, Apple has done this release in July, but they have their developer event in June, and it's. I think it's uh, very mm. possible that they. You know, oh, oh they're calling. Maybe that. Maybe it'll be sooner. Okay, so I I apologize for my comments, Apple, but I think it's uh, <laughs> I think it's very possible and likely that they will announce the iPhone five or whatever they call it next week or in a couple of weeks at the WWDC in June, and then that thing could come out in whatever time frame right later in the year. So, you know, there's some precedent for that. I'm gonna chuck this phone out the window. That's so. okay because uh, well, he did. He actually did, folks. <laughs> That wasn't a Windows phone. Well, it is yeah. now. It's a windowed. It's through the window phone. phone. <laughs> I'll I'll run over that with a lawnmower later this <laughs> afternoon. 
Make sure you put your safety glasses on first. <laughs> um, I was in the Radio Shack yesterday. Leo, there are so few people who can say that now. <laughs> that was kind of a that was a Rain Man moment, wasn't it? I was in Radio Shack yesterday. It's like and, I like eggs, <laughs> and they yeah. said free iPhone today. Free I, iPhone today. Yeah, I said. Explain uh, yourself. That's what they said. Free iPhone today. Would you like okay. one? And you said? I said, no, thank you. I already have oh. one. But I, but I said, it's the 3GS, isn't it? He said, yeah. So, oh, I but I tell you, I mean, uh, this, is, this is the environment, environment that, uh, you know, you're, you're working in here. It's a yes. comp but that's I, good. And I thank, uh, frankly, Android and Windows Phone for forcing these kinds of things. You know, you, you wouldn't have had a free iPhone two years ago. AT&T has been selling the 3GS for $50. 50 right. This thing is almost two years old. Well, it is. It it's, is ancient. Well, in smartphone years, that's pretty ancient. It's yeah, we have one that we use as a remote control in the kitchen. That's how crappy this phone is. But <laughs> and it's slow even for that. I mean, it's you know, I just read a rumor this week that it may not run the next iOS version, which wouldn't right. surprise, me, surprise me in the slightest. It barely runs the new one. Um, but yes, I mean, this is the state of the market we're in. I mean, when we right. talk about how fast things need to move, when I complain about Microsoft not moving quickly enough, I mean, that's the type of thing I'm talking about. They're giving this thing away. They might as well just put it in a box of life cereal. <laughs> you know? Hopefully Mikey the kid will bite into it by mistake <laughs> maybe, or whatever. Maybe you will. And if not, you can always lawn mow it. <laughs> that's right. Or blend it. You know, people blend it. Will it blend? All right, we're going to take a break. There's lots more to talk about, including yep. Balmer's Blurt. <laughs> And uh, I hear the Microsoft board has just, the fact that they even have to do this is funny. The Microsoft board has just voted to keep Steve Ballmer. A vote really? Of, a vote of confidence. Really? Yeah. You, you could check that. I just crossed what the a world wire. What a world that that should even come up. I don't think they ever had to give a vote of confidence to Steve, to uh, Bill Gates. I'm going to give a vote of confidence to folks at Citrix for doing such great work. Two thumbs up. To Citrix, they do, uh, you, you know, the back end for uh, Windows remote access. They have, the, of course, Citrix Enterprise, and they have a lot of remote access uh, utilities for consumers, including their fantastic GoToAssist Express, which is for you to help consumers. Are you a, a consultant? Do you do tech support or IT for clients, for colleagues? Maybe you do it for friends and family. One of the most valuable tools you can have is the ability to log into that person's computer and fix it remotely. I mean, frankly, it's always faster, always easier, always preferable if you can do that. Go to Assist Express is simply the best way, Windows or Mac, I like that, to do tech support. Your, uh, your clients don't have to have it installed ahead of time. You just send them a link or you could even do it in chat. I've done that with my mom in Skype. You know, I'm Skyping her. She says something's gone wrong. I say, good, no problem. Here's the link. I have to do this each time, by the way. And she's, she clicks on it. Go to Assist Express downloads very quickly, about 30 seconds. And boom, you're in. Now, once you have GoToAssist Express installed on the client's computer, you can do unattended logins if they, uh, if they uh, let you. But that's very handy. You don't have to wait till they're there. You can do eight sessions at the same time, which means you're more efficient. You can run a scan and go to the next session, run an install, go to the next session, that kind of thing. It'll let you know exactly what OS, what versions, what's, what software is running in the background. And you can even share your screen so they can see what it's supposed to look like, you know. This is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, no, it doesn't look like that. 
I love it. Citrix has 128-bit SSL, so it's secure. You can use it on an open access point and still do it safely. And, of course, they have support for you 24-7. you got to love it. Try it free for 30 days. G-O-T-O, -O, assist. Go to assist.com slash windows. Go to assist.com slash windows. It is a fantastic solution for anybody who has to do tech support. And I highly recommend it. It's what I use all the time. Onward and upward. Steve Ballmer says Windows 8 will ship next year. Right. So can you pick out the two excellent things about that sentence? Um, Steve Ballmer and Windows 8? <laughs> well, A, he said Windows 8, which Microsoft can never utter publicly. Oh, interesting. Uh, you can That's not the official under, name. Well... I think it is the official name, but and listen, there could be a a rebranding that occurs as this thing goes public. But I can assure you, I, I've heard Microsoft employees refer to this thing as Windows 8 a million times, but they are under a strict edict never to say this. And hmm. some people are very careful about not saying it, like Steven Sanofsky, who always refers to it as the next version of Windows, or the next generation of Windows. Interesting. The next release of Windows or whatever. Any, anything other than Windows 8, as if the next version of something that was version 7 was ever anything other than version 8. But what, okay, whatever. So he said, he said Windows 8. He said it twice. Uh, but he also said that it would be out next year. Now, Microsoft has never said that, ever. Um, you know, because we talk about it a lot, that I did the reverse math on this. And, and because Steven Sanofsky runs the Windows division, we know how the guy operates. He's, he's like a robot that they will do exactly what they did with Windows 7. So do the math and figure out when it's coming. It's coming in mid-2012. That's We know this is the plan. So it's interesting at Microsoft, you know, that he confirmed that. The funny thing is, <laughs> this information wasn't out in the world for, I don't know, two hours. And, he, and it was only out in the world for that long because he said it in Japan, right? So there was that time difference thing. And Microsoft had to come up with a public statement that both denied what he said was true, but didn't make Balmer look like a jerk. So, how, you know, how can you contort what he said? Yeah, he is the CEO after all. Yeah, that, right. Because you can't, you can't really kind of rebuke the guy exactly. <laughs> our, our CEO is an idiot. And uh, never mind. Yes, he's not an idiot, but he, I, he does have a way of talking, you know. <laughs> you, you get a feeling that every time the guy gets in front of a, in front of a microphone... That the PR guys kind of clench up a little bit because they're worried about what's going to come flying out of his mouth next. I'd also point out that this guy, unfortunately, is under a lot of pressure these days and maybe is more inclined to try to drum up a little excitement by going to that old well again of Windows. Because, you know, that I, I think we can all agree where everyone's interested and exciting and, and excited in Windows 8. So any mention of this is going to get headlines and for Balmer, you know, good headlines, and that's something that he wants. But man, you know, Microsoft just crushed <laughs> the statement after the fact, which I thought was really funny. Um, so the statement that Microsoft came, let me see if I can find this here. Uh, he said, he said uh, the Microsoft statement after the fact says, it appears there was a misstatement. We are eagerly awaiting the next generation of Windows 7 hardware that will be available in the coming year. To date, we have yet to formally announce any timing or naming for the next version of Windows. So, Despite what the guy who sits in well, all the so, meetings well, might say. <laughs> if you read what he said, and if you read it with that in mind, it almost makes sense. 
Um, let me see if I can find it. He said, we're obviously hard at work on the next version of Windows. As we look forward to the next generation of Windows systems, like PCs, right, which will come out next year, there's a whole lot more coming. So that doesn't actually mean Windows 8 yet, right? He could be talking about the next generation of Windows PCs that, that are going to be running Windows 7. Right. Okay. Then he says, as we progress through this year, mm -hmm. you ought to expect to hear a lot about Windows 8. Windows 8 slates, tablets, PCs, a variety of different form factors. Now, that's a little harder to cover up because he was very specific there. Yeah. He said Windows 8 and, twice in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you know, I mean, I gotta, let's, let's be honest. Uh, from from I, my point I, of view, all you could do is say that was Steve, the CEO, said that. Yeah. We have no yeah. further comment. Because he said it. Except for one thing. I think that it was, I, I just knowing the guy and how he is, I think Steven Sanofsky couldn't let this thing sit. Ah, see, that's the problem. And he wants to control that message. You know, it's, no, it's you a very problematic kind of thing. The yeah. horse has left the barn. If your CEO, who presumably knows exactly what's going on, otherwise, why is he the CEO? If your CEO yeah. says something, it's mm -hmm. done. You just have to say, well, we don't want to comment any further. That's what Steve said. Yeah, and I, what you just said makes perfect sense. That alone it suggests that what he said is completely accurate. Um, of course but, it is. It's we know it's accurate. This is exact. This you I, we already know what's going on with in some ways with the next version of Windows, and this completely corresponds to that. So yeah, I I, I do expect to hear a lot more about Windows eight, yeah. slates, tablets, PCs, and different form factors in the next year. I of course I do. We already know because they announced it that they're having a developer event in September that they're going to reveal this information at. Right. So I don't know. I think why? This is, why? Why try to cover it up? You can't. It's done. People are so excited about this. Why would you crush that? Right. You know. Right. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say I think your theory about Sanofsky is kind of interesting. Yeah. So apparently, one of the uh, one of the um, uh, big shareholders um, <laughs> tried to get uh, Balmer out. Well, he recommended that they should fire him. Yes. Yeah, and the board just uh, voted. Well, I'm according to Reuters, so I, I, what they said was, "We're not going to have a special oh. meeting to discuss this." Okay, and it was off the record. I, you know, okay, it wasn't like they issued a public statement, but we love Steve Ballmer, and we hope you do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Matt Ross. I've read a story. You know, there's only one guy who can fire Steve Ballmer, and I was thinking to myself, it must be Steve Ballmer. But actually, it's Bill Gates. Of course. Right. It's the chairman of the board. Microsoft has, has a small board. Bill Gates is the guy with the most number of shares and so right. forth. Right. Yeah, and he's Bill Gates. Who, who else is on that board? I have no idea. That's an interesting group. Yeah, maybe. It's Warren probably like the star chamber. I don't know. Let's find out. We could find out. I bet you, I mean, it's a publicly held company. Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, we can, we can look this up. So, Directors. let's see. We've got... Dina Dublon, the former chief financial officer of J.P. Morgan, Bill Gates, oh. Raymond Gilmartin from Merck, uh, Reed Hastings, the founder, chairman, oh. and CEO of Netflix. That's interesting. I didn't know he was. In yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Maria Claw, president of Harvey Mudd College, David Marcotte, uh, general partner from August Capital, Charles Noski, executive vice president and CFO of Bank of America. 
Dr. Helmut Hank, former chairman of the board of management for BMW. Wow. So these are really, um, I think it is a small board. It's only nine people, including Gates and Balmer. Yep. Uh, and I think that they are selected not because they're going to, they're, it's, they're, they're not running the company. You know, it's funny looking at this board. It's all a bunch of old white people, except for one guy, Reed Hastings, uh, who's a young white guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he stands out as being the only person there who looks like he might actually get carded occasionally. He's the only entrepreneur on the board. All the rest yeah. are... Uh, yep. Businessmen. You know, business. Big. And, and one, one uh, college president. Harvey Mudd yeah. is the engineering school at the Claremont Colleges, so that's interesting. It is interesting. She's token, I would guess. Oh, and Dina is also a woman. I'm sorry. There's two women. So, yeah, I think uh, what's interesting about this is how I've not heard of most of them. Yeah. I don't know who these people are. They're the sh they're Star Chamber, as you said, the shadowy people who run. No, I don't think so. I think that in this case, this board is, yeah. uh, is a board that doesn't run the company. Uh, yeah. And so it's Balmer and Gates. And as you said, there's only one person who could fire Balmer. That's Bill okay. Gates. I didn't say that. That was uh, Matt, Matt Ross. I think he's right. When you look yeah. at this board, uh, I don't know. I wonder if that's, you know, it's I don't right. know what's going on. I don't, here. I don't know anything about corporate governance, so I can't no, weigh in on it. I don't it. either. Yeah, we're just working class schlubs. But, um, hmm. 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 <laughs> I was hoping for at least one awesome choice, like, you know, Colonel Sanders or. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, something like that. The king of chicken. Like one person just had a like a silhouette instead of their actual picture. <laughs> anonymous. That's how I kind of imagine these yeah. things. I think anonymous should be uh, on the board. Yeah. I think and it's a good. Guy, I think it's, it's the a guy good. Who runs mini Microsoft. It's a good gig. It's like a sinecure. You know, you just go. You go to a few meetings a year. They pay right. you like one hundred fifty thousand. Temple meeting or something like somebody brings the gold onyx and they right. Yeah, goat's blood is involved. They don't certainly don't manage. They're not. They're not managing the company day to day, but uh, a numerous uh, major things like the change of the CEO, CEO compensation, and so forth usually goes to the board. I know. Sure. Uh, although most boards just rubber stamp the recommendations of the CEO compensation committee, which usually includes the CEO. So there you go. Hello. I thought you threw it on the lawn. I have another phone in my office. <laughs> I love it. So um, You know what I love is there are at least three other people in my house right now, and no one is picking up the no, phone. No, Dad, that's Dad's job. <sighs> I, like, I could do something about this, but I'm just going to watch Paul suffer. I could do. Let's do a Netflix ad in honor of Reed Hastings. What do you say? Let's uh, have one of my underlings call Paul's house 30 times in a row. <laughs> Uh, hi, this is the Star Chamber. I mean, Microsoft Board. <laughs> right. And right. we don't really appreciate your take on what we do. And we did ask Colonel Sanders, but he declined. <laughs> uh, Chef Boyardee, however, is on the committee. And, uh, exactly. and <laughs> it's like Mayor McCheese. Wouldn't that be funny? Trying I, to imagine, like, Mr. Hooper from Sesame Street. Twit is an LLC, so there's no governing board, uh, although we have at times uh, thought about it. 
I want there, I want to be on it, and I, I will dress in a different costume every year when we meet. <laughs> I think. Well, we were thinking about going incorporating our our, our CPA firm. I'm just throwing should. my hat in the ring right now because <clears throat> and you I have to have a board. Awesome. You have to have a board if you're a corporation, and um, yeah, I think they should all be imaginary uh, people. Ronald McDonald, yeah, yeah, uh, Mayor McCheese. The hamburger. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial guy. It's time to make the donuts. And of course, the, the guy who used to speak. Mr. The Whipple. You know, you and I were both thinking exactly what I was about to say. Mr. Whipple. That bald guy that sells the cleaning stuff. Um, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean, probably. Mr. Clean. Yeah. I'm going to make a page on the Twit site that has our board. <laughs> that will be the imaginary board. My, my dream board. <laughs> Mr. McFeely, Floyd the Barber. It'll be great. Right. Gabe Kaplan as the teacher in Welcome Back, Otter. And, of course, the chairman of the board, Clippy. Clippy. <laughs> nice. Let's uh, let's mention our friends at Netflix. Last night I watched The Graduate. I, you know, it was, I was in the mood to see a uh, um, an older movie. And now, so, so I watched it last night, and so now I can rate it. It was a darn good movie. I'm going to give it five stars. And then look what Netflix does. It's going to recommend my next movie. You know all about this. Want to get more? How often do you watch Steamy? Eh, sometimes. Witty? Often. So now it's going gonna, it's gonna to help me. It's going to help me. Oh, here's some good movies. Here's some good movies. So Netflix. You know about Netflix. I don't, you know, one of the problems we have with this uh, ad is I'm preaching to the choir. You all have it. So I, I think what our new strategy is, tell your friends. <laughs> Mom, dad, all the people in your life who haven't heard of Netflix are still going to the movie store. Or watching video on demand from the cable at $6 a pop. Tell them about Netflix. In fact, tell them, try it free for 30 days at netflix.com slash twit. Instead of VOD, you could do the watch instantly. And I have to say, I loves it. Oh, you know what I just started? I Last night I started it. I decided, you know, I'm going to rewatch the entire Battlestar Galactica series. 149 episodes, I think. Something like that. For, for the four seasons. I'm so happy. Such a great show. It's so fun to go back and watch it again. And you watch it instantly. So it's part of your uh, subscription. Now, they have all kinds of subscriptions, you know, including the discs. The, you, know, you know about the DVD by mail system where they send you the DVD. You have it on your queue when you watch it. And you can take your time. There's no late fees. Once you watch it, uh, um, you just, uh, you know, you, uh, you send it back in the prepaid mailer. And, and then they send you the next one. So it's pretty, it's pretty freaking awesome. Anyway, I love Netflix. But now they've got this watch instantly thing, which I love even more. I didn't have to wait for a disc. I didn't have to use it. I just watched it on my Roku, on your PlayStation 3, on your Xbox 360, your Nintendo Wii, many Blu-ray DVD players, many TVs even now have Netflix automatically built in. And if you just want to get the, um, the streaming subscription, that's even better. It's just uh, $7.99 a month. So try it free. For 30 days, netflix.com slash twit. Have you thrown the phone out the window? I did. Good man. I got up and threw it out the front. Ah, <laughs> oh, Paul. I don't know Paul, why I forget this. I forget this, what, 40, 50% of the time? No, I don't care. You think I care? It's not that. I just... Uh, we don't even have a phone in here. It's like my pending dementia. Yeah. <laughs> Where is my shoop? Exactly. Microsoft, Google, and the cloud. San Francisco. Yeah. I think this is really surprising. 
Uh, yeah. San Francisco has decided on its uh, cloud-based software, and it ain't from Google. I had a conversation with this guy, Tom Rizzo, who I really enjoy. Uh, works in the office. You know, he's doing the Office 365 stuff. And it was, it was just interesting because it, it comes on the heels of this, you know, how Microsoft can fix Microsoft. And I'm complaining about this company not moving quickly enough. And they're not aggressive like they used to be. And I want it to be like the old days when they, these guys were just, um, you know, recklessly aggressive. I just I really enjoyed that stuff. And um, <laughs> Recklessly I'll, aggressive. I'll just, I always enjoyed I'll, it when they were recklessly aggressive. Yeah. I mean, you can read this article on my site. I just have, I interviewed him and... Um, he was just awesome about it was it was just awesome to you know they basically come out and said look this google stuff is a joke nobody uses it likes it half the people that use it are just leaving in droves everyone who does use it still uses office he's like i he's like there's no way to even be nice about this it's just google apps is ridiculous and um it's just it's just so beautiful i i, I it's everything i ever wanted leo <laughs> It and makes more. me so happy. Yeah. And more. It's so, yeah, just go read this article. It's beautiful. I, not because I wrote it, but because this well, guy. Well, it is, is beautiful just, because you wrote it. And it's a, it's a <laughs> song. Mean, it's a love song. It. It's a love song, Paul. Yeah. A love song to Office 365. But he has, you know, he has all these interesting numbers. You know, he's just like Google says, for example, they have 30 million uh, users of Google apps, but they also mentioned that these users are spread out between 3 million businesses, schools, and governments. So the average deployment of Google Apps is 10 users, right? Which is like, what? Wow. <laughs> you know? Which means, I mean, and for, you know, they don't really break it down this way, but the vast majority of those are certainly free, right? I mean, these are like right. really small businesses that basically just rebrand Gmail with their custom domain name. But, uh, Anyway, he's got all these stats and figures and, and whatnot. So Microsoft is coming to market this year with Office 365. And I have to say, I, unrepentantly, I made the move to Gmail years ago. And I don't remember anymore. I'd have to go look it up. But I mean, three, four, five years. Oh, Gmail is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. But in using Office 365, which is, you know, hosted versions of Exchange, SharePoint, and Link, I, I'm really really impressed by this and impressed by it in ways that are kind of shocking because i've never really been a huge fan of outlook or certainly haven't been in years but i still love using this thing and whether you're talking about you know the web interface stuff or you know using it on the phone and all the integration capabilities you get on windows phone in particular it's really pretty impressive you know and um it's not free and i think that's the that's going to be the big thing for some people but it's not expensive either and um I'm not 100% sure, but I moved a bunch of my email. I used to forward a bunch of things to Gmail, through Gmail, and now I do it through Office 365 just so I can have some volume of mail where I'm using this other client, and I'm, I'm going through that process now. But unless something dramatically bad happens, I, I'm, I fully expect to actually switch to this this year. And that's a, that's a big leap, um, you know, because it's, e it's email, right? I mean, this is right. pretty serious. But it's just so, it is, it's so freaking awesome. I love it. I, I, it's really good. <laughs> so freaking awesome. Yeah. Is this the article? Uh, yes. Microsoft comes out firing? Yep. Bang. Boom. <laughs> to the moon. Yeah, I really do read it. It's, cl it's classic. <laughs> 
It's really good. <laughs> if he does say so himself. No, not be again, not, <laughs> not because I wrote it, but because of what he says and the way he says Oh, because of Rizzo. Yeah. 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 Not me, Leo. It's not me. I'm not going to get, let a competitor determine the dialogue about my product, Rizzo says. I'm going to uncover the truth. We were a bit of a silent giant before. We're, <laughs> we're not so silent anymore. Does he, say, does he sound like Clint Eastwood? No, I wish he did, but no. Google is making a lot of noise these days. <laughs> right. But I Do have to ask lucky, myself well, one question. I spent half my life talking like that, by the way. Sadly, <laughs> usually I'm alone. You know. <laughs> and then I, it devolves into Duke Nukem. It's like, damn, I'm looking damn, good. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's sad. Oh, uh, let's see here. Item number 73 on the show. And speaking of Google. <laughs> really? <laughs> item number seven. Item number seven. I've been counting. We you, well, if you want to count every feature, every yeah. uh, every bullet point. Yes, yeah, sir. You have this show has four hundred twenty-three features. Okay. Google Music. Have you played with it now? I have. Uh huh. I've been using it, of course, for a while, and I. Well, I'll let you talk. You're the you're the show host. Well, it's early. No, no, it's it's early on. In fact, I'm curious what you think about it because I have used the Amazon service and yeah, I've uploaded and I do my collection that. of both. Yeah, when I when it comes time to buy Gaga music, I go yeah. to Amazon like everybody well, else. Well, by the way, I, listen, there's no such thing as I am an iTunes user these days, right? No, you would be exactly. Crazy not to yes have accounts at all of these places because this is what happens. You know, yep. these things happen where. Amazon has a special deal, or this place only has this, or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you buy a lot of music, you know it makes a lot of sense, I think, to compare every single time the different options because the music works everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, might as well get it where it makes the most sense. But the I, the point of the Google service, especially since they're not really they're not selling music, right? Not yet. Uh, or are they? No, they're not. they're not, and I, I, they may never. I don't know what the plan is there. Yeah. And so, that's kind of limits, uh, frankly. Uh, you know what it can what it can do it's it's in limited beta now so not everyone can get it but i guess what i would say to you is if you can get it you should because unless you have some crazy huge music collection it's free well right? and the, that's the, what the, i like about that was my exact thought when you know yeah. uh, 20,000 songs yeah. and i only have 8,000 and that's a lot i mean that's gigs I, and I gigs. have less than 4,000 so yeah. And it doesn't take, and it's free. And so, yeah. what, and because I use Android phones and an Android tablet, the, the, I really get some value out of it. Both of these services are very Android, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Android oriented in that the only mobile client both Google and Amazon supports right now right. is Android. You and can, I, the web-based I mean, web uh, Amazon client now does work on iOS. But, iOS. Yeah, but, no, right. but I meant with a native, a yep. native client. Yep. But, you know, even the funny thing is, you know, as far as the web client goes, if you interact with either one of these services on Windows, you do so through a browser, right? Right. Uh, that is how you use it. And both of them work well as, you know, those pinned browser application apps, you know, that are uh, pseudo apps you can have in Windows 7. So they work well like that. Um, I think more is coming to both. But I knew even when Amazon had come to market first that the big deal on the Google side, because I had experience with them, through Picasa and, ex and their extra storage scheme was that they would be cheaper. And I honestly thought, you know, for the amount of storage space I might need for 
music, maybe I'd pay something, but that it would be cheaper than Amazon, but actually it's just free. Free. At least for now. We don't know. I mean, Google may want to start charging. It is beta right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I bet they don't, though. I mean, this is how Google kind of works. They don't promise it's free forever, but, you know. I think it's going it to be free being... for, the, for most people forever. Right. I mean, you would have to have a crazy music collection for this. 20,000 is fantastic. Yeah, and I don't, you don't really think, I, when they announced it, I didn't really know what that meant, but then I uploaded my entire collection, and it says 3,987 songs, so I'm not even close, and I, right. and I never will be. Right. I'm never going to do that much music. No, tw so. I, don't, I mean, I, I'd have to do some math, but I think 20,000 is, is a massive collection. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's kind of bare bones, and I, I'm not, it's not necessarily pretty, you know, from a web app standpoint, but it does the job, and it's smart, you know, you can tell it what, to upload and where to look for music. So in my case, I said, you know, I happen to manage music through iTunes now uh, because I have all these devices and I just said, you know, just use iTunes as the source and it brought up all the playlists and, um, you know, I tagged everything correctly, album art and all that stuff. So nice, you know, it's a, it's a nice job and it, it will keep it like Amazon, you know, they have a little app that runs on your desktop that will keep things in sync and so forth. So it's good. I think the big deal on, you know, neither one of them is necessarily a full-featured iTunes or Windows Media Player replacement quite yet, but they're clearly heading in that direction. And it's hard not to look at one of these apps and think, you know, here's yet another area where a web app pretty much does the job, you know. Um, I would not be surprised to discover a year from now that Apple users, for example, are syncing their iPhones wirelessly to a web-based version of iTunes that looks a lot like this thing. Right. You know? Well, that's going to be the interesting thing. I, it, it's obvious Apple has been planning something. Yeah. Uh, Amazon and Google kind of different implementations of the same idea. Uh, Amazon's only 20 gigs. That's not very many songs compared to 20,000 titles. Right. By the way, titles is interesting because if you encode at a high, high, high quality, it's right. still one song. The, the, actual, the actual storage space could be... A lot phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I my music collection is somewhere in the twenty to twenty-five gig range, and I, I don't have any lossless music right. um, or really high bitrate music, I guess. But um, it could easily be double that, and then I'm only taking up what one fifth of the amount of songs. So I mean, you could picture this thing could be one hundred twenty-five to two hundred fifty gigabytes. It's right. a lot of space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boy, they're buying more hard drives at Google. That's for sure. <laughs> so, but I think you made the salient point right at the beginning, which nobody is exclusive to any one service anymore. You do what makes sense. And yep. I have songs in the SkyDrive, in the, in the Amazon uh, cloud. I have songs in, uh, in Google. And I'll probably have songs in, uh, in Apple. I mean, why not? Um, and I'll uh, buy you know, from whoever makes sense, right? Yeah. There's a story I'm, I'm trying to kind of squeeze out in a way that I, I just don't know quite what the point of it is. But it's interesting to me that in addition to this Moore's Law thing that we deal with in the PC industry, there's also been this explosion of other kinds of resources, including storage. So, for example, my first PC laptop probably had something like a 30 megabyte hard drive, you know, um, some Dell laptop that I had. And then up until late last year, I would buy this normal spindle-based hard drive and you could get, you know, 500 and possibly more. I think they might, have, they might even have hard drives now for laptops that are, what, 640 or even 700-something gigabytes, somewhere oh, in that yeah, range. Oh, yeah, sure, I'm sure. Really yeah. big, big hard drives. And that's what you would do because you would look at the resources that were available on a PC and you would say, geez, you know, 
Uh, another four gigabytes of RAM is only $45. Why wouldn't you do that? I can buy this 500 gigabyte hard drive for my laptop for, you know, 100 or 200 bucks. Why wouldn't I do that? But there's an interesting change that occurs. And it's coincidental. It's funny with all this cloud computing stuff. Last couple of trips I've gone on, instead of bringing, I do, I do still bring devices, of course, but I've listened to music through these services over an Android phone. So I'm shaving in the morning or something and I'm listening to music and it's coming through this device over the air. I'm not using all that local storage. Right. And when you look at modern hard drive or modern uh, laptops, rather, if you're talking about a MacBook Air or the Lenovo ThinkPad that I bought or whatever, you get this 120 whatever gigabyte SSD. It's not the you know in the past the 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 storage sizes were so big I would just throw everything I had on it. Here's a right. bunch of movies. Here's a bunch of music. Whatever. Who cares? Um, so you have to be a little more judicious about this stuff with SSD. But it almost doesn't matter anymore. No, because it's all in the cloud, right? Yeah. So we had this kind of space race with uh, resources where we were going more, 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 more. And then eventually you get to this point where it's like, you know what? I bring a, a laptop. It, it's literally for work. It's not, you know, work didn't provide me with it, but it's a work laptop. I have a very small number of apps on there. I have almost no data. I'm backing everything up to my Windows home server over the cloud thanks to the Samachi VPN thing, just as I would as if I were home. So I'm not even carting around some data that I will later back up. I literally just get rid of it as soon as I'm done with it. It's a very different style, you know? Um, if you would ask me just a couple of years ago, you know, how do I anticipate these things going? I would have thought that, you know, a laptop would be the performance and storage and equivalent of a desktop and that that would always escalate. And now it's this kind of do more with less kind of thing. And, uh, it's very different. Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe, maybe I would have anticipated. Yeah. I like it. I, that's what I love about this, uh, beat. I love covering this stuff is this, uh, it's yeah, a, it, you never it goes in a different get direction. jaded unless you're Paul Thorat. <laughs> well, no, I remember thinking, you know, I would the have this closet. <laughs> I, I always imagined I would have a closet, and it would essentially have racks of servers in it. Right. And, and storage, and that this would be the deal. You know, that this thing would have terabytes of whatever. You know, every digital memory I ever wanted, you know, would be stored in this thing. And increasingly it's occurring to me that what I'm really moving toward is away from that in the same way that you're moving away from paper books or right. physical media right. or whatever it is, whatever this clutter we it's have in our house. It's just happening. Yeah. It's just happening, you know? Yeah. It, it is a big change. And we poo-pooed it. I mean, I, I certainly, uh, I'm not as bad sure. as Dvorak, uh, who still <laughs> thinks cloud storage who is, is some sort of scam. <laughs> I don't understand it. People will store stuff in the internet. What are you talking about? But, uh, but oh, I, I, I have guys my age who still insist, you know, well, you don't understand. It's, uh, you know, there's no streaming file that's like a Blu-ray. I always say, well, where do you keep your cash? Because if you're keeping it uh, in a bank, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. exist. Right, well, okay. <laughs> it's bits stored in the cloud. Sure. Uh, and that's your cash. So maybe those guys keep their money. I'm sure Dvorak has money in a mattress somewhere. Gold in the backyard, too, probably. Yep. But uh, but I but I did I early on I said look we don't want to go back to the days where you had thin you know clients and all the computing power was centralized but that's what's different about this the storage is centralized the computing power is local uh, mm -hmm. and it makes a lot more sense frankly computing power is cheap storage is cheap it's good to have both frankly it's a hybrid yeah, I, system I, right I I'm not I don't really have a handle on how this works but I I think on the Google Music version 
there is some caching involved, right? Where yeah, you, think, it'll, you kind of, it, but they use the word pin, which I said, wait a minute, be careful because mm -hmm. I think that's a Microsoft word. But they use the word pin, so you yeah. can pin songs from your cloud to your device. And of course, well, yeah, when you play a song, it saves yeah. it automatically. You want to have the offline capabilities and all that, you know. Um, it's limited, though. It's not kind of you don't really have the like. If I'm going on a plane trip, I don't think Google Cloud. I'm going to rely on Google Cloud. Music. Not yet, but you know, or, listen, in the same way that you couldn't rely on having Wi-Fi in a hotel some number of years ago, right? They, remember there was a point in time where you would pick a hotel based on whether yes. it had Wi-Fi? now remember? it doesn't, yeah. No, now you don't even think about no, it. it's automatic. And, and I think planes are going to be like that. They are right? soon, yeah. Uh, very soon. You, you, today, you could pick flights based on whether or not they had Wi-Fi. Right. Uh, soon you will just not think about it. It will be yet another thing that all planes have. Right. So the instances in which you're kind of offline will be less. You know, I guess we'll, there are always those chances we'll be stranded, um, you know, without connectivity or something. But I don't know. I, 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 I really, I just, I just feel like we're barreling toward this future all of a sudden. Barreling ahead. Um, my, Microsoft appeals the EU antitrust <laughs> fine. How? What was that fine? <laughs> I know, it's like, is are these notes from five years ago? Paul? Yeah, it seems this? like it seems familiar familiar uh, uh, to me. I can't keep this track uh, straight in my head either. But in the European Union antitrust, I don't want to call it a trial because it wasn't really a trial, but the antitrust action that the EU took against Microsoft, there were a variety of events, many of which were humorous where Microsoft was still actually acting very belligerently toward the EU and, and trying to push everything as hard as they could. And uh, during all this, and I think because of that, I would say, the EC, the European Commission, fined Microsoft some crazy, uh, it was basically $1.35 billion, because it didn't come through on one of its vaguely worded requirements regarding uh, essentially documentation for competitors who wanted to use their APIs. A crazy esoteric issue. Um, now, Microsoft, look, again, I, I have trouble remembering the details and the order in which these things happen, but Microsoft did spend a crazy amount of time stonewalling these people. I mean, in, on purpose. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And I really think that this was partially a retribution for that. But anyway, here we are, three years after they settled. <laughs> they're now appealing this fine, and trying to get it reversed. So we'll see. They're, they're appealing it to the second highest court in Europe. I suppose if they lose here, they could go to the whatever the EU's version of the uh, the court of first instance or whatever their version of the Supreme Court is. But I guess we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But, it's, you know, it's the EU, so it's going to take like months for this to, you know. They get like a day in court. They, they state their case, and that's it. We'll then, we will see you in a few years. $1.35 It hangs in the balance, yeah. <sighs> Well, if I were Microsoft, I'd open a savings account. Perhaps consider a, a Roth it's IRA. A, it's an, Yeah, I think they actually had to put it into some... Escrow? Yeah, I was going to say a trust fund for some reason, but some kind of a... Yeah, yeah it's some an escrow. Kind of a, yeah. yeah, escrow, yeah. That's a lot of money, but it's amazing when, you, yeah. when you're a company that big that you can say, yeah, all right, let's transfer some money in. I guess we'll yeah, sell some... Honey, sell did some, you make the wire transfer for the EU? I, I completely blew that off yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much was it? Uh, 1.35 billion. And I'm still going. I'm still going down to the local convenience store to pay my uh, my electric bill. So, <laughs> yeah, the check cashing. Fifty three dollars? Are you nuts? Yep. 
let's get one more story, and then we're going to get your uh, picks and tips. Smartphone market share quarter one 2011. Ladies and gentlemen, who is the big winner? <laughs> really? Wow, look at you. You're like a, like a silverback gorilla. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? It's a drum roll. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know, uh, obviously, I follow the PC market share numbers every quarter, and now I apparently going to have to do this for smartphones. Yeah, well this is the new thing. This is the new numbers game, the new the new race, the new traffic race. Yeah, I haven't looked to see if I this, these numbers are from Gartner. I, I think I just would probably be doing this as well. But according to Gartner, there were four hundred and twenty eight million uh, what they call mobile communication devices, yeah. i.e., mobile devices that are not laptops. You know, smartphones, tablets, etc. Uh, 101 million of which were smartphones. Yeah. Okay, um, smartphone growth was 85 percent year over year. You know, we always compare the quarter to the same quarter a year ago. And just to give you an idea of the numbers game that's going on here, um, 80 million PCs roughly were sold in the first quarter. So, uh, more smartphones than PCs by about 20 million units, and then dramatically more of these communication devices. I'm trying to imagine what the heck the other ones could be because we know. Only a tiny sliver of that is actually tablets. So what are they counting here? Like pagers? I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. It must be any phones, right? Non-smartphones? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. Um, obviously, maybe not obviously, but Android came out first. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and their growth has continued crazy. Yeah. In fact, let me see if I can find... Uh, yeah, Android accounted for 36% of the market. Last year, they were 9.6%. Wow, that is that's big, how big That's wow. how big that job was. You know? yeah. uh, Symbian was number two, but of course, they're falling off a cliff. Um, they sold 28 million units, 27% of the market. Uh, last year, they were 44% of the market. So that's the big, that was the big mix-up there, the big change that mm -hmm. occurred there. Um, iPad, or iOS, rather, was number three, 16.8% um, of the market. Um, I don't have the growth there, but they, I think that was small growth. I think last year they were like 15%, somewhere in that area. Um, BlackBerry next, and then uh, Microsoft. Wow. The weird thing about Microsoft is that uh, they had 3.4 million units sold, but only 1.6 million of them were Windows Phone. So that means that Windows Mobile, the previous version of the OS, actually outsold Windows Phone somehow. Um, well, yeah, that's just kind of legacy stuff, right? Yeah, it must be weird markets, you know, uh, low-end things. I don't know. You know, maybe they're sold almost as feature phones today. Right. I'm not really sure. But right. It's interesting. So as far as Windows Phone goes, um, you know, uh, no, as is often the case, you know, Gartner said, look, Nokia's support is going to accelerate momentum there and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think we had mentioned that 1.6 million figure before. You know, this is, there was some silliness around a, a guy who would claim that, you know, my, Microsoft's partners had only sold like 160,000 of these devices, and that's obviously not the case. So we shall see. But if you, you know, if you kind of do the math on this, if if nothing else changed, and of course things will change, but if nothing else changed, if Microsoft picked up about one third of Symbian's user base, uh, not user base, but rather sales base, you know, the market share, um, you know, they would be number three. I mean, that's all. That's that's what it would take. So. Is it conceivable that a year from now or a year and a half from now that 30% of the people who are buying Symbian phones are buying Nokia Windows phones? You know, maybe. Right? It's not yeah. crazy. No. So, 
I think that's the the goal. That should be the goal, you know, for Microsoft and Windows Phone is to grab as much of that as they can. The Nokia thing clearly is going to be huge. It's it's the unknown. It's the um, yeah. It's the big well, the question. question is whether so. You're right. The Symbian market share translate. It's always going to fall, but is it yeah. going to slow down? Right. And then how much of that market moves over to Windows Phone with Nokia? Right. The more, the better, from their perspective. Right. But I guess we'll see. As they say on the local TV news shows, only <laughs> time will tell. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Time for our picks and tips, starting with the Windows Weekly. <laughs> I gotta use it for something. Tip of the week. You know, this isn't the tip, but of course, you know, if you're listening to this live, yeah, you know, you can buy that Lady Gaga album today for ninety nine cents. Today again? Yeah, they did it again. They and did it again time, after fact, I bought I it for four said, whole dollars. They said. Uh, and this time we're ready. <laughs> yeah, because they brought the Amazon servers I down. I guess Amazon came crashing to a halt because Although, of Lady Gaga. I just put it in the cloud drive. Yeah, right, right. And that gives you a free 20 gigabytes of space. Right. So I just thought, well, I'll download it when it's... Uh... I think it's, it's important to do this because Lady Gaga does not have enough promotion around what she's doing. I feel like she's not out there enough. I, doesn't this look like the... <laughs> Bat out of hell cover from Meatloaf? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but I just, uh, I don't get it. It's worth it just to get the 20 gigs of storage, even if you don't like this music. For 99 cents, basically that's it. Now, I presume that that Amazon takes the hit, not Gaga. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon's probably giving her the same royalty as if she sold a, uh, Amazon, you know. Amazon has mastered, you know, there hasn't been this kind of retail loss leading since um, Toys yeah. R Us used to sell Pampers for a right. loss just to get Come on in, come kids. The, store. the diapers well, kids, are free. The mothers, right? Uh, the di yeah, the, diapers, the first one's free. First one's free, kids. Um, we know well, you'll no, be pooping you know, more later, it, you know, so. Retail sales from January to November are usually pretty crappy for toy stores, so. Right. How do we get people to come into the store? Well, we'll sell diapers for lower than anybody. Right. So now Amazon is doing this with, uh, they tried it with eBooks, and now they're doing it with, with music. So. It's kind of brilliant. It is. Anyway, that's not really my tip. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, because, well, uh, I know it went up briefly, so I guess they put, they put it back down. They did it one day, they, and then it failed, I guess, and a couple of days went by, and they just did it again today. Unfortunately, it kind of irritates you, me because I bought it uh, in the middle when it was more expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even really right. want it. I just, I bought it. <laughs> Leo, everyone loves Lady Gaga. Why are we even having this I didn't even want it. <laughs> they made me buy it because it was so cheap. They made me buy it. <laughs> you need, uh, need self-control, my friend. Oh, I need more than that. Let's just start small and... <laughs> start with self-control and then move on. Self-control is job one. Your Windows Weekly tip of the week is if you are a student and by student i mean someone who has a dot edu domain you know oh i'm a student of life but that doesn't count it doesn't count mm. uh buy a new pc for 699 dollars or more and microsoft will send you a free xbox 360 does the school of hard knocks have a dot edu account <laughs> no it doesn't oh damn it should it I should agree. i agree it's the four gigabyte version of the console so you're not getting the hard drive one but i i want to say that this version of the console costs I know it's over two hundred bucks. It must be two fifty somewhere in there. Wow, does that sound right? Two hundred, two. Yeah, I think it's something like that. I bought one, of course, not at the dis heavily discounted. Yeah, it's a good deal. Price. <laughs> <laughs> you need a laptop. 
Um, you have to buy it through uh, participating retailers, as we say. In this case, I, I know it's Dell and HP through their websites and also through the Microsoft Store. Is it a desktop PC or it could be a laptop? No, no, anything. Yep. Students. Students have all the fun. Yeah, I know. We've, I'm sure we've talked about this, but can you imagine being a student today? You know, my I, my daughter was doing the math on uh, the cost of college, yeah. and I think it came down to something like every class, not the not the whole semester, but just each individual every class individual was like class, 300 yeah. bucks. Nice. <laughs> you don't want to... I'm glad she did the math, because then I could say, well, you don't want to miss a single class, do you, honey? I try to spend that much money every day, but... Well, get, when your kids go to college, it'll be easy. <laughs> that will help, yeah. That'll help. Okay. That'll make it trivial. Oh, you'll have no trouble there. Someday soon. Someday soon. Don't rush it. Our Windows 7 app of the week. Yeah, so this is the Windows Phone Mango Beta developer tools, right? So Microsoft this week released a new version of those awesome Windows Phone tools. If you have any inclination toward programming at all. Um, this would be such a great place to start because the environment is awesome. It's simple. It's easy to use. It's got the emulator. But the language and the framework and all that stuff that they have for Windows Phone is first class. And there's a lot of great documentation out there. So it's free. And I realize this isn't a, a great pick for everybody, but um, it's definitely something to check out. Cool. App Hub. Is where you go. Yeah, it goes, it, it's, you know, the site is really developer.windowsphone.com, but then when you hit enter, it goes to this App Hub site, which is their way of saying, you know, they have uh, similar identical environments for programming for the Xbox and right. Windows and Windows Phone. So they're, they're trying to do that integrated programming environment thing. Oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. Isn't that cute? Windows 7, Windows Phone 7. Oh, Okay. So even though that, that was, was Windows win Phone development, it was really a Windows Honestly, 7 app. Because you do it on Windows. Yeah. Got it. Now. See how, I, see how I got that in there? I, you are so good because now. Windows Phone 7 at every possible <laughs> moment. But did I mention that Paul is the author of the fabulous Windows Phone Secrets? Yeah. But he keeps giving them away. Now compatible with Verizon. Yes. Picasa. Did they, is this the, my Google Picasa? Yes, but it's not an official app. Uh, so there are no official... Well, there's one, I think there's one official Google app on Windows Phone, just a Google search app. But I, I've tried out a, a couple of different Picasa apps. Like I said, you know, unfortunately, there's no real services integration there. But this is a good one, and it provides all the stuff you would want and the ability to upload from within the Pictures Hub and stuff. So it's good. It's a nice way to do that stuff. Again, I, it's truly integrated experience is really what I'm looking for, but given that that does not exist, just as with Flickr. You know, Flickr has their official app on Windows Phone. It's great for what it is. I wish there was deeper integration into the services stuff, but... You given, and me both, buddy. Yeah, given the limitations. If you are a Picasso user, as I am, uh, I this love is it. the one that I use, yeah. it's That's one advantage. Another advantage for Android is that you just kind of, you know, the gallery is Picasso. And so stuff on your phone and stuff that's on yeah. the Picasso just kind of yep, yep. hubifies. It's, it's so I'm, I'm actually a pretty heavy Google user in some ways. I do use Gmail and Google Calendar and uh, Picasso Web, certainly, and Google Music now. Um, yeah, it's tough because I'm the Windows guy. So the Google stuff on Windows Phone is okay to non-existent. And obviously, if that's what's important to you, 
Android is uh, well, probably it's same, better. It's the same with the uh, Apple. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, Apple works works on anything, but works best on Apple. Right. <sighs> so it's a buck twenty nine, and then the free one does that run out? Yeah, it's just a trial. I haven't tried that. I, I actually just bought it. Okay. So I'm not. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm the same way. It's like, all right, I'll just buy it. And uh, you're finally your mobile app pick of the week, which is not a Windows Phone Seven app. It's your mobile. <laughs> right. Well, that that's the point. So in other words. There are all these mobile devices out there, but you use Windows at home, you have Windows, but you want to integrate with other, you know, device types and so forth. And uh, this is a good pick for this because what it allows you to do is have a media server running on Windows that integrates with non-Windows devices, including Android devices and iOS devices like the iPad and iPhone. So Plex is interesting because it bridges that gap. Um, the server is free. The apps, unfortunately, not free. So the, the mobile apps are actually $5, but... You know, if you're like me and you have a Windows-based store for your data where you have all your movies and TV shows and your music and all that, photos, but you have iOS devices or an Android phone or whatever, this is, I think, what a lot of people do. Um, Plex is a pretty good solution for bridging that gap, you know. Um, I wish there was a free version somehow. I wish there was some way to get around that. Um, but it works pretty well for what it is, and you can secure it in other ways. The other thing I'd point out, and I don't have enough experience with this yet, but the Windows version of the server, as it turns out, is not particularly full-featured yet, although they're working on that. So if you look at what they're doing on the Mac side, I think especially, I think there's a, there might be a Linux version too, but at least on the Mac side, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of additional functionality that they're going to be bringing eventually um, over to the Windows side as well. So uh, there's still a lot of upside to this as well. But I guess the point here is, if you are one of those rare people who somehow has just Windows compatible devices all over your house, I guess you're all set because the stuff that's built into Windows 7 or Windows Home Server or whatever will work fine. But if you're a normal person and you have uh, an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device and you want to be able to do that same type of stuff, this is kind of a nice way to bridge that gap. It'll, th this will make that happen on the, on the digital media side. I love Plex. I'm a huge Plex fan. Yeah. Huge. So on the Mac side, you can do a lot more, right? You have all this... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I didn't even know it was a Windows app. Yeah, it's not as good on Windows. But yeah. It's it based is. on XBMC, ironically. It comes from the yeah, Xbox yeah, yeah. software, and then uh, and then I think XBMC forked. I mean, there's this whole thing, yep. you know. That was, you know... In the in the days of the first Xbox, uh, there was this th there was this movement where you could using these kind of hacker tools, you could change the UI of the Xbox and have all this junk on right. there. You could place, right. it and, you know, they eventually ported it to PCs and to different devices and so forth. But I was never really a huge fan of that kind of thing. But I think we're at the point now where, you know, whether you're talking about like a DLNA server or something you might put on your PC or uh, whatever it might be. I mean, put, putting a media server running in the background on, on a PC that has all your stuff on it is not really a big deal. And, um, you know, given that we're all using these different devices now, I think it makes a lot of sense to, um, you know, to think about something like this. If you, if you just want to access media from, other, you know, from your computers, it's a good, good, good way to make that happen. Mr. Therat, our time has come. As it always must. You have some lawn mowing to do and phone mowing. <laughs> I'm trying to stretch out the lawn mowing over a number of days. <laughs> Summertime yes. has come to Dedham. It really has. What does summer mean in Dedham? Mowing the lawn.
<laughs> and cool mint juleps in the shade on the porch afterwards. You have no idea where Denim is, do you? <laughs> Paul Thorat be sitting in his T-shirt, enjoying the summer sun, watching that streetcar roll by. I do. I do not know where Denim is. Yeah, I know it's you, somewhere. <laughs> it's a land. This town is not where you think it is, Leo. <laughs> I just imagine a picket fence, elm street, elm trees lining the street, white that picket is, fence. So far, so good. Milkman coming every morning. Morning, this is 20, Mrs. It's the Rot. 2011, so the picket fence is now made out of vinyl. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. You know, And the trees have some kind of worm disease, so there's like <laughs> holes in all the leaves, you know. But otherwise, yes. I'm pretty close, right? Sure. Morning, Mrs. The Rot. Same order as usual. Two quarts of... One percent, right. four quarts of two percent, and a little half and half for the mister. <laughs> wow. We actually did have milk delivered in glass yeah. bottles until fairly recently, yeah. oddly enough. Yeah, we did too. I'll never forget. And then and then I knew the times were tough because the milkman started doing things like selling shampoo. Yes. Milk milk based shampoo. Move, move, right. Moving from milk to ice cream made plenty of sense. Yeah, but not shampoo. But not shampoo. No. Yeah, not a good idea. Yep. Ah, uh, Paul, it's time to say good night. But thank you so much, Paul Thorat, editor in chief of the Super Site for Windows. Many of the things we spoke about today are further explicated at the Super Site for Windows, winsupersite.com. Explicated and complicated. Complicated by and by the explication, no doubt. Yes. He is also the editor in chief of uh, besides the Super Site for Windows, he's also the news editor for Windows IT Pro and the author of Windows Seven Secrets. Windows Phone Secrets, Windows Vista Secrets, and the Delphi 3 Super Bible, <laughs> to wow. name but a few. I like to bring that up. Fair I'm enough. A, I'm a fan. But it is time for us to say so long. Thank you, Paul. We'll see you next week. Thank we do you. this show every Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1800 UTC, at live.twit.tv. So watch live, because you'll hear all the profanities before we, uh, we uh, take them out. And uh, actually, there was. I have to make a note. There was a profanity in the show. Today. I have uh, a bizarre Tourette's problem. <laughs> I don't even know what profanity means, to be honest. It seems like such an antiquated concept. But the bad word? Really? A word? Bad? But apparently some feel that way. It's a cuss. It's a cuss. I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap, young man. But we'll have to save that for later. Thank you, Paul. See you next time on Windows Weekly.